Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Stage in the Archive. My name is Giovanna, and I'm one of the co-hosts of this podcast series. I'm here today with three special guests who will be discussing a recent production of Bidia, which ran in 2018 at the Old Raleigh Theatre at Keble College in Oxford, and its revival. I'm sure some of our listeners will remember it as it was a particularly striking Medea. It is the first all-Black, Asian and minority ethnic production which the university has ever hosted. The play was directed by Francesca Amibuda Rivers, the then president of the Oxford University Drama Society, and co-produced by Shivek Shah, who was one of the makeup artists, and I know we're going to come back to this. Fran and Shiv are both with us today to talk about this exciting Medea and their ongoing work on it. Leading the conversation will be Avery Willis Hoffman, a writer, director, producer, and the program director of Park Avenue Armory in New York. She too was involved in student productions when she was a graduate student in classics here at Oxford. She was president of the Oxford Classical Drama Society, founder and director of the Oxford Greek Festival, which ran in 2004 in honor of the Olympics returning to Athens. Her DPhil thesis on modern adaptations of Trojan women was supervised by APGRD co-founder Oliver Tufflin, while co-founder Edith Hall, who was actually with us on this podcast series a couple of episodes ago, and current director Fiona McIntosh served as her dissertation defense committee. She also produced a Medea, the Oxford Greek play in 2002 at the Oxford Playhouse, and I know we'll come back to this for sure, which was directed by Nathaniel Coleman and starred Marie-Louise Crawley. And for the last 14 years, um, Avery has collaborated with the Maverick director, Peter Sellers, creating multiple projects in theater, dance, and opera. So welcome back, Avery, and thank you all for being here with us. Now, as usual, we'd like to kick off the conversation with a description of an archival item, specially chosen for this episode. So let's start with the description of the item that we have in front of us, which is a photograph of the 2018 production of Medea. So Fran and Shiv, over to you. Hello, yes, thank you so much for having us, firstly, and for such a lovely introduction. It's very sweet. Um, yeah, this is my favourite image of the play. It comes um, at that crucial point when Medea resolves to kill her children. And it's that kind of inner turmoil she has. Um, there's, there's a whole section of the monologue where she's torn between um, her love for her children, but also her drive for justice, revenge, and, and almost salvation even, or, or a kind of freedom through infanticide not just freeing herself, but also freeing um, her children. Yeah, and I just love how the chorus in this image just stood right by her um, as her sort of only support through this agonizing decision that she has to make. But the neutral expressions are quite chilling, almost as though the outcome is inevitable here. And, and I just remember the atmosphere in the theater at this point being so tense. Everyone was just transfixed by um, Charithra who played Medea um, and the chorus and what she was about to do. And it was at this point that I remember thinking, yes, Medea was the right choice of play for us. So we chose um, to stage Medea at that time to address the lack of diversity in the Oxford theatre scene um, and the wider creative arts scene really um, at Oxford at that time. 
Shiv and I were two or very few students of colour doing theatre. Um, so I thought let's bring POC students together who are interested in the arts and, and let's reimagine the canon of Western theatre as we know it. Let's take up mainstream space. Let's take this classical text and infuse it with our own perspective. So we had over 40 students of colour involved. It was, a, it was a real celebration of, of, um, of culture and diversity through music, movement, spoken word, to tell this well-known story through a modern lens. And yeah, now we're really excited to be working on its professional revival. Um, and this image, although it was taken from the Oxford show, uh, we still very much want to keep um, a similar aesthetic and Shiv can talk more about the makeup. So one of the most striking things I think about the photo is, is obviously the very extensive makeup, um, the very kind of stark white makeup um, that was used in the production. It, it was certainly not a short process. I think um, Charita herself was painted for about 40 minutes before the show and it took uh, about two hours and three artists to complete the chorus of Sit. People most recognise it, I think, from the Beyonce Sorry video where Laulu NYC is, is an amazing artist who kind of made this kind of painting mainstream. So that certainly was the inspiration. But when talking to, to Fran and Charitha, I think something else we noted is both Charitha and I are Indian and, and henna is such an important part of our culture. And, and for me, I have so many memories of spending hours as a kid at weddings watching a bride come out and completely covered in in henna and you know I have photos of my mother covered from kind of tip of the hand right to the elbow and the, the feet right to the knee it's kind of a very important visual aspect and so this was one of the amazing moments which which I think highlights one of the key facets of our show and production which is just collaboration and and working out ways to bring cultures together and so um, I think the actual original art is, is Yoruba and then we um, mixed it with our own cultural influences of the three the three artists who were painting and every night we obviously each painted something different but you know one could notice who was doing each by by we're not close I don't know whether you can tell in this particular photo but you know mine would be kind of more paisley based and and you know Lee who was also an artist would kind of be much more uh, alike to the original and I think just apart from being very visually striking a very important aspect of how we've mirrored the chorus and Medea in the play um, it kind of demonstrates how this kind of cultural collaboration is such an intrinsic part um, of a play that is so to do with kind of foreignness and otherness. And obviously, Avery, you put on a production of Medea 2002, another very kind of unique time in history, let's say. And um, so we'd love to, and obviously you were also influenced by this kind of foreignness and otherness. So we'd love to kind of hear you talk a little bit about that. Thanks, Shiv. It's really incredible to be with you all across across the pond, as we say. I'm talking to you from New York. And uh, I just want to say it's really an incredible time to be doing art, <laughs> just to acknowledge where we are. Um, but I, I wanted to just say a th one thing about the 2002 production. I mean, it was right after 9-11. And I personally had just returned from New York uh, when 9-11 happened. And uh, that time in Oxford was really uh, challenging as it was all across the world and especially in New York and being from New York it was a, a real moment where you you need to figure out how to kind of resolve all the things that are happening in your in your world and in your space and often uh, for those of us in the arts we, we look to the arts to do that and of course we were already well in in process in creating what was uh, the Oxford Greek play of that year so 
we were in talks about which play we were going to be producing in the original Greek for the Oxford community and, and the wider UK community. Um, and as a cyclical thing, the Oxford Greek play was always, as it's the Cambridge Greek play, really looked forward to in the community. And so that the choice of Medea was really quite, it became just the most appropriate choice given all that was going on. Um, so I, I think bringing forward, as you mentioned, Shiv, the, you know, these questions of for, foreignness and otherness was definitely top of mind. And I think given we were, we had English subtitles, but we did do the play in the original Greek. And so thinking about what other elements, as, as you mentioned, costume, makeup, um, the power of music and dance, the choreography, just thinking about all the artistic elements that go into expressing some of these really powerful themes when you don't have a language that everybody understands. And of course, it was an extraordinary challenge for the actors and the dancers, um, but the actors in particular to learn that ancient Greek, to, to memorize it and to convey it with a kind of emotion that would be easily received by the audience. And I think we did a pretty good job of that. Um, you know, uh, Mary Louise Crawley, who's gone on to work with Ariane Mnuchkin and others, uh, it was just an extraordinary Medea. And we spent so many hours in rehearsal and Nathaniel Coleman, uh, Nat, who was the director, was just a, an excellent classicist and so understood the lyrical nature of the language. And so I think as, a, as an exercise, it was an extraordinary, an extraordinary exercise and an extraordinary moment. And I know you all, you and Fran, have been going through an extraordinary moment yourself. So just turning it back over to you and, and Fran, you mentioned this earlier, but you know, why Medea? And Medea is one of the most performed Greek plays in the 20th century, in the 19th century, across time. So can you say a bit more about why you chose that play versus other plays in the Western canon to kind of focus your efforts and bring this really beautiful and unique casting approach and sort of creative approach? Yeah, absolutely. I think I was really interested in the idea of contemporizing a classical text. So taking a form which has been traditionally considered to be for a certain group of people and kind of just injecting our own perspective into it um, and I've always loved theatre since I was small and I think it was around about my GCSE years I was thinking more contextually about this art form that I, I love so much and, and its origins um, in the west and, and I found Greek tragedy I found Greek comedy and I was just obsessed with this idea of this so intricate, the, the themes and, and the way that it just speaks to contemporary society, even though it was written thousands and thousands of, of so much time ago by, by dead white men performed by white men for white audiences. I, I thought this was really, really mad that I, I, found, I found myself so connected with something that was not written for me or, or written for um, the communities that I am part of, but it still spoke so closely to me, the message, especially behind Medea as a character. She's so, she's so powerful and, and so complex. And I thought that her story speaks to the contemporary setting and the ongoing fight for, for racial equality. She's considered to be a foreigner. She's considered to be barbaric. 
and therefore she's she's seen as a threat to the peace and prosperity of of Corinth and this kind of uh, xenophobia is very prevalent in today's society so I, I really thought that this was it was a great text that we could use to sort of unite um, all kinds of cultures, diverse cultures together with this one text and bring out these themes of diaspora, of identity, of, of belonging um, in a way that was celebratory. So I was really drawn to, to the form of, of Greek tragedy with the choruses. And I thought this is a great way for us to inject different kinds of cultural storytelling through music, through poetry, into into this piece of art which we we hoped would make a statement and just show the theater scene at the time that we are here people of color black brown people we we love the arts as well and we have a lot to offer and um it it should be for for all audiences as well theater so yeah partly i just love the text i just think um Medea is is dope <laughs> but also I just thought it was really interesting how um, it, its origins and how we could sort of contemporize that and really speak to some of the struggles that we face as, as people of color um, in, in white dominant settings and societies but also in a way that was celebratory. Yeah that's beautiful and Shiv what what did you feel was the reception of the the play when you put it on in Oxford, what what was the moment like? What were the the times like? Why now? Why do media in this environment? Uh, how how did it sit with people? It was it was interesting because I remember very distinctly sitting in the bid meeting with Fran, and I'd done numerous bid meetings before, but I knew in this one we'd immediately face backlash. So I brought fourteen members of the cast and crew along. And still, and 14 members is bearing in mind at that point, between Fran and I, we've probably done 13 plays in Oxford, uh, 30 probably plays in Oxford, none of which had had a crew any larger than 10. But yet we were still faced with the question of, oh, but you guys won't be able to find enough people to do the play, which was extremely baffling, given that, um, you know, we, we were sitting in front of an audience with 13 people there. So we were immediately facing backlash, the tickets won't sell, then the play came around and before we had we had pretty good sales and then kind of serendipitously almost the uh, university's diversity report came out the day before we opened and suddenly we find ourselves uh, inundated with interest from the university inundated with interest from the press suddenly you know this production was simply sold out in seconds after that that report came out and we, we published it on our, on our facebook page and then you know the play felt immediately like it being placed in, in this very different lens of, you know, we do have something to offer. And I think the majority of people that came, I, I think the majority of people of colour that came at least felt this kind of relief almost that, you know, it's here, we're ready. But this was all in the context of Oxford. And I think at the time when, when Fran, Fran came to me originally to, to do the makeup and then to produce, we were both so suffocated by the environment. We thought, you know, absolutely brilliant. And then we left, we graduated now, somehow it's been a year, God, that's petrifying, a year ago. And we kind of went our separate ways. We, uh, Fran continued to work in theatre. She had some amazing positions, including working at the National Theatre. I kind of somehow ended up working in fashion. And in March, just before the whole world uh, shut down, I reached out to Fran and said, look, where, where are we thinking about this? Because we realised outside in the, in the real world, we were still feeling suffocated and lost by trying to navigate spaces, artistic spaces, for me primarily fashion for Fran, 
theatre where we felt heavily underrepresented. And again, this play that had been kind of sitting in the back of our minds for two years came to the fore. And I think what was so particularly important for me sitting backstage at castings where I was told, you know, you cast this many of this race, this many of this race, this many of this race. I still felt like we didn't have the right approach to diversity. And I'm not saying that um, we haven't made progress. I'm just saying that there's a lot more progress to make. And I think one of the ways that this production focuses on making progress is by appreciating that it, we're not being diverse for diverse sake. And we're also being diverse to, to celebrate that diversity, not to tokenize it in any way. Um, and we want to bring people together as well. I think often conversations around diversity can be so polarizing and instead we want to demonstrate that conversations about diversity can show how cultures are perhaps similar to each other, that people can enjoy and, 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 and kind of flourish by thinking about what other people do, other people's, even small things, other people's wedding traditions, they can be interesting. We can celebrate that difference and, and bring it on a stage, um, even in this kind of horrific play. And then obviously the world shut down and we saw how the coronavirus was specifically affecting BME people both in this country and in the states where you are Avery and so much more and obviously then we saw the atrocities and murders um, in the states that were happening and continue to be happening even you know this week and ever more so we realized the importance of the production that 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 doesn't polarize that tries to bring together people to with with something that's been bringing together people as Fran says for nearly three millennia and then you know that's theatre and that's certainly what what we hope to do again as we revive these productions in ever more kind of polarizing times. And Fran can you say a bit more about the rehearsal process and the process of, of tackling this ancient text and how you interpreted it with this incredible group of, of actors and, and producers and makeup artists and other creative folks what was that process like and what were the things that you brought forward, you know, as a result of this sort of diverse approach? It was a struggle. <laughs> I would definitely say it was, um, it was very testing of my patience, <laughs> but we got through it. Um, I think what Shiv said earlier about the main kind of opposition that we came up against initially when we, we were going through the bid process was we just like, there just aren't black or brown people in the <laughs> the moment like in Oxford like why are you going to find the cars why are you going to find the crew so we really had to think about how we would attract these people because it's not it's not that there weren't any of us there it was just we didn't feel like we belonged in the theatre scene and we didn't feel like our voices were, were were valued so we were doing doing our studies so we thought Shiv and I we thought we need to really make sure that we make this show as collaborative as, as possible and as embraces of all different kinds of, of art forms. So yes, in our, in our audition call out, we had like bedroom singers come through, tap dancers come through, also like if you just like to express yourself, come through an audition. So we had an array of, of different people with different skills coming through. And at the end, of, I think at the end of the, the audition process, we had, I think it was like over close to 80 people auditioned for 15 roles. So it was quite, it was really, really overwhelming the amount of response we got. And it was just beautiful really to see the amount of talent that was in when we were there in Oxford at that time. And I'm sure is still there from, from diverse backgrounds. So yeah, we ended up having this like cacophony of in the cast and crew of actors, 
spoken word artists, poets, dancers. We had a massive Bollywood dance in the middle as, as the wedding scene. We had some incredible singers, musicians, and we just kind of said, okay, cool, this is too good to sort of just pick one avenue and go down. Let's, let's put it all in. Let's, um, let's celebrate all that we have to offer. So it was definitely a lot of organizational skills <laughs> had to come through, a lot of messaging with, with Shiv, but I basically made the show my, my life for two, three months and just sort of was, was jumping from rehearsals, the actors, to um, rehearsals with the chorus, to rehearsals with the musicians, and then the collaboration process with the, the poets and the spoken word artists, with the musicians and myself, to make the, the soundtrack for the choruses. So it was, it was really, I think the, the, the way that we got through it was through collaboration. We were each feeding off each other's skills. And because we were so united with this goal of, of making this beautiful show and just celebrating ourselves, it was really something special and um, this is definitely something that we want to bring forward through into our revival it is this collaboration between emerging but also professional artists in music and um, in poetry through acting we definitely want to keep it a, a collaborative a collaborative show thank you and could you maybe just say a little bit more about your approach to the chorus and how that might be different from from others and sort of what what drove you in in the directions that you ultimately took with with um treating the chorus yeah sure i i've i've always been fascinated by the choruses as a trope in greek theater and i thought it'd be really interesting to experiment with the chorus being an extension of Medea's personality. Um, and rather than revealing this through dialogue, we thought we could really emphasize the power of collaboration again um, and of interdisciplinary theater through having the chorus express themselves through movement and poetry and live music to sort of sing Medea's song. So it's exactly what you were saying, Avery, about about using the power of music and dance to convey these themes of, of foreignness and, and otherness in place of language, which is, is often limiting. So um, yes, we've we just actually had a really great chat with a spoken word artist who's been working at the Roundhouse, who we've commissioned to, to work on one of the choruses um, with us. So the process is going to be very much me as a musician, composer, working with the text that I'm given by a spoken word artist, a poet, to write the music and, and using different cultural uh, motifs, rhythms, different musical textures and layers to, to bring out the, the, the themes of foreigners, diaspora, culture, um, which are in the text. So um, yes, it's, a, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be a collaborative process, but I am excited. <laughs> That's amazing. And just shifting a little bit to this revival, maybe Shiv, can you say a little bit about the plans, that, how you've evolved from, from the, the Oxford production and sort of what your, your plans are at this moment for, for reviving the piece? I think that the Oxford production was great, don't get me wrong, but we were students, so we did it in six months amidst our studies very much in quotes because I don't think Fran and I did a huge amount of studying in that period but you know handing in some form of essay weekly if not two and it was it was certainly a bit it was necessarily slapdash we didn't have the chance to so I mean I, I will never forget 
banning Fran from coming to the theatre on the first day of opening because we had that the set was 12 trees and she was set to come in and see them they'd arrived that morning and they were just nowhere near I mean they weren't trees they were twigs and so I had to send her a message saying Fran I'm afraid you're categorically allowed nowhere near the theatre until the end of the day where we then somehow found another eight trees to add into the space so these are the kind of things that obviously we we, we hope that a professional person will avoid but I think two of the main things that, that will be well something we certainly won't be changing as Fran says is the collaboration and as a producer having Fran, Fran has worked with me before I'm generally a no kind of producer you know if you don't need it don't do it but with Medea it's always you know we, we, we spent this whole production saying yes and um, anyone who approached me and said they wanted to be part of the crew it was a yes so we ended up with a cast and crew of 41 people it meant that as Fran said, a Bollywood dance and Bollywood dress and all of these incredible things. And we certainly hope to, 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 to change that. But one of the biggest changes, Avery, obviously you'll know about this and, and so will uh, Dr. Rosa, who's helping us, is Fran and I ourselves are adapting the script. And I think in, in, in Oxford, we use the Robin Robertson translation, which is, which is brilliant. But um, we thought, actually, as per your advice, Avery, that we had a lot that we could, we could say. And Fran and I both know the story, the script. It is embedded in our minds at this stage. We, we dream about it. So we, we know what we want to do with the text. And, and both you and Avery, uh, you and Rosa helped us realise that um, we had a lot to say. So we are currently in the long process of creating the script ourselves. Obviously, we will have five spoken word artists now we're adding the chorus this time around helping us fill in fill in the gaps where we we want the chorus to work but the the the, the text of, of the story of Madeira itself I mean Fran and I have been working over the last few months and and we will be working over the next year I'm sure on refining Euripides's text but we are never failing to to be amazed by the power of his language and and learning how we can adapt that to make the story that we want to create um so I think that's certainly one of the biggest things and then I think another change we're making is is kind of the scope but we want to it's almost not a change but I think when when making a professional production one is generally quite limited if we're doing our first production you know Fran and I on the other hand we want a cast of at least five or six people on stage and a, and a chorus of at least six and live music and all of these dance aspects and I think that one of the things that we're, we're standing by is kind of the scope and obviously we're currently in the coronavirus crisis so being on stage is not possible, but we're working on uh, adapting currently a film version that will kind of put the concept of Medea out there, if not the whole obviously thing right now. And we can't necessarily have people in the space, which is obviously as theatre makers what we want. But Avery, you just did some incredible work online and we hope to do some incredible, just, you know, a snippet of production online with with some of our new work and our testing our new script and, and, and working with some new creatives. But we're just trying to adapt. I think that's what theatre is is doing right now but we're seeing that everyone wants to keep creating i don't think creators ever stop creating whatever happens and so that's um what we're hoping to, to kind of look at at the moment is creating this film and keeping it big keeping it ambitious keeping it on the level that the oxford one was at kind of a, as a baseline and then seeing how we can build on that spirit of collaboration that is the heart of our production company that's the heart of heart of the play yeah, and I know that you've also made a commitment to support other uh, folks in the theater business to to bring them forward. Can you talk a little bit about your sort of internship plan, like your way ways in which you can bring others who are who are in the business who maybe need that kind of support and an outlet and a project to to focus on? Can you say a little bit more about that? Um, absolutely. Again, this was a discussion with, with you, Avery, that really inspired us to do this. But I think Fran and I have been lucky and that comes with, you know, we worked 
to get there but it comes with the privilege of having been to an incredible university like oxford and we we had the opportunity to, to to be to be raising the money to put on a production like this and had an amazing space like the keeble o'reilly to to uh, put on a show like this but obviously there are so few people with that ability with that privilege and also as everyone i think knows the theater world is full of nepotism and full of the need to network and the need to be in a certain place at a certain time in a certain group of people and a certain kind of class of society to make your way and obviously we disagree with that on on every level and we feel a responsibility as people who, who are making our way in the industry to be making sure to be taking on other diverse voices with us because that's where theatre is going I mean however much people fight it people want diverse voices people want new stories and that's exactly what we'll be doing and one of the ways and that we'll be ensuring that is is by having interns and shadows and people that for every role we create we want to make sure that there's someone there that can learn from that person and as much as we're all learning as, as we keep going and we want to make sure that we're bringing people along so for example we're pairing with the christian coal society at oxford and we'll be pairing with the bain drama society fran herself founded to make sure that we're, we're bringing along people students who, who potentially want to get involved but also on a much wider scale we want to be uh, ensuring that um every role we create in every theatre that we approach we're approaching them on the basis that we also want to to find new people and, and this doesn't mean people with a wealth of theatre experience this just means anyone who has an interest who who needs that in and re realistically i mean when you have that in theatre you can start building building your your networks and we've been lucky enough to find our way to, to people like you and obviously we had access to fiona and, and the apgrd itself through through oxford but we want to be making sure that we're letting people in with us as we as we make our way but we also in the spirit of collaboration want to be focusing on platforming others we are two artists and we're writing but alongside that you know we're platforming these spoken word creatives obviously we'll be platforming the actors we want to be platforming along with fran you know there'll be a lot of music platforms it's really key key to to raise other voices as, as we raise our own because we're certainly not fighting this battle alone in any way shape or form and i don't think either fan or i are on and under any impressions that this is not a road that has been forged by that has already been forged by people behind us and there are people alongside us everywhere trying to trying to fight for this representation and we're just hoping to to do that ourselves but also help other people uh, in making their way into this industry diverse people that don't find it so easy to walk into what is otherwise quite a closed in my opinion quite a closed business yeah thank you you know that's extraordinary work and not easy so i applaud you for those efforts and i know they'll continue on into the future so fran can you say a little bit more about the film and what your kind of hopes are what the film will consist of and what you hope uh, it will achieve you know getting into the world during this this time of of corona yeah, one of the key things that we want to achieve through our revival is reach. So we really want to attract a diverse, wide range of audiences, especially young people. I think there's a massive stigma around um, sort of the classical world and, and ancient history as something that is so far removed from, from, from young people now. And us, Shiv and I, being young people, um, want to try and... and, and dismantle this and say look this is this is an art form that it should be open to everyone and we can all learn from it um, and it, it does it speaks to us as young people and it should be able to speak to a, a wide range of, of young people especially so yes we hope that through this film it will just be able to attract a much wider audience of people who perhaps haven't usually haven't been to the theatre before um, I think one of the things we see through this coronavirus 
crisis is just the arts is is having to become more accessible obviously because we can't perform on stages in theatres as as creators we've been thinking of ways to reach people without being part of of a building and it's great that we're blessed to have um, the internet and we're blessed to be able to connect with people virtually so yeah we really hope that this film will be able to attract a wide audience and um it will yeah just be a snippet of what is to come hopefully next year or in in the not so distant future we envision for it to be a section of text from the show exploring and highlighting our main themes which we've spoken about quite a lot diaspora identity belonging from the poc perspective um, and Shiv and I are currently working on adapting the script um, and working on that monologue at the moment. And then we're hoping to feature one of the choruses. What was so great about the choruses in, in Oxford um, that people really resonated with was it was this sort of combination of contemporary pop music. So we had Stormzy, Kendrick, artists called Ebei, who are these incredible Afro-Cuban twins. And we had their sort of contemporary music merged with traditional African-American spirituals, gospel, and original writing as well. And so that really helped to speak to a younger audience, having, I don't know, Stormzy lyrics there or the Kendrick beat come in. It really helped to attract, attract a, a, a more diverse audience. So this chorus and, and moving forward with the revival of the script all of the music is going to be original composition, but still very much with this cap of kind of merging different generational styles and genres, pop, uh, hip hop, African-American and spiritual, all sorts of styles. So yeah, we're going we're, we're gonna to feature some of that in the film, along with some of our texts that we've been adapting as well. And the film will also be the point where we launch, officially launch the production company, Chameleon Productions, which will, which will kind of platform all of this, but also that's where the internship programme will be platformed. That's where we will uh, start, hopefully, to release content, obviously, progressively. We don't know when theatres are opening, but we certainly hope to cons consistently be reaching out um, over the year. And we're very lucky. I mean, already we're paired with Torch, obviously, APGRD. We're right here right now obviously rosa has been an incredible mentor to us avery um yourself has been an incredible mentor to us and the gilbert murray trust and all these people that are kind of we're already collaborating and we want to use the production company platform to to continue reaching reaching out to people as france says more people than ever before and we've seen i mean we've seen during the coronavirus that these views of of, of theater online have, have have reached millions and that's certainly not the millions of people who've been going to the theater normally so there is the scope there there is the interest and, and ancient Greek drama doesn't need to be for a bunch of people who, who went to Oxford and theatre doesn't need to be uh, for a bunch of people who can afford really expensive tickets and, and we hope that as, as, as a player and as a production company we can just continue drawing in the interest of people that eventually theatre is going to need to keep afloat in 20 years so that's what we, we're trying to do now. Yeah that's an incredible work and as you imagine when we might be able to gather again uh, you know in a theatre and not six feet apart or maybe it will be six feet apart uh, where where do you imagine this new revival can exist? Uh, what kind of spaces are you looking for? What's your sort of theatrical dream for re-envisioning re this, <laughs> this project? That's not too scary of a question. 
Fran and I are never afraid to uh, to dream big. I mean, you don't know where. I mean, Fran and I are amateur. Um, we've never put on a production, professional production ourselves before. The production company is new. We do believe that there is scope for this at at a London theatre. We we do think that there will be space for this in a place that that can draw a lot of people, both in the space and obviously online. We're obviously thinking about people's following. So, you know, hopefully we can we can demand a pretty decent. Uh, decent understanding but at the end of the day it's going to take take someone believing in us and we're going to have to continue working and obviously putting out as much content as we can to to really make that a possibility but we certainly see this however deluded it may seem coming to a, a pretty pretty decent London stage hopefully whenever we can in the next kind of 12 18 months whenever things open unless Fran has anything <laughs> anything to add to that yeah exactly that dream big. <laughs> dream big I think what else can we do right let's see where it goes and you know, I'm sure something something will come of come of this all. Even if it's not, you know, sitting at the National Theatre, it will still make it. Um, it will still make its make its mark. We're sure. Well, dreaming big is the first step, right? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and as you as you imagine, everyone gathering together and folks who are listening to this podcast, you know, what can we do to help? How can we support what you're doing? What kinds of things do you need? What what sort of in the next you know, 12 to 18 months as you embark on this journey, uh, how, how can we help you and support you? Well, I think obviously uh, the first thing we ask is that obviously the film is hoping to come out in the next couple of months. Uh, we're just negotiating where that's coming out with. So we cer- first thing we certainly hope is that people keep their eyes peeled, peeled for that. Anyone can, can obviously we're very contactable. Um, we're always on the search for funding. We're always um, looking for people who can, who can kind of support any aspect of the play. And we're also looking for, you know, creatives and uh, people who can get involved. I mean, as, as we keep saying, it's the spirit of collaboration. So we're early on, please don't get us wrong. You know, this is, it's only been, though the coronavirus seems to have been going on forever, it has for us only been five months young. But um, yeah, we, we are certainly contactable. I think Giovanna at the end of the, the podcast is gonna kind of know how we can all, um, we can all come together at the end of this. But um, yeah, by all means, we're, we're ready to collaborate with anyone who can who can find our way. And we're already lucky enough, Avery, to be collaborating with, with people like you who are across the pond, as you say. So it's already global. It is. <laughs> yes, it is global. Uh, anything else you want to add? I think we're coming up to the end of our time together. But anything, any last words about the project or about your goals that you want to add before we turn it back over to Giovanna? Thanks everyone for listening. That's certainly first. And thanks obviously the APGRD for having us and Avery for agreeing to host. And I think Fran obviously will be able to say something else, but but for me, I think I think the only thing we can ask at the moment is for people to try to stay aware as possible, um, try to kind of take responsibility for being aware of what's going on around us, and to celebrate and enjoy things that make us different. Because I think that's going to be the heart of, of how we move. Um, out of this very strange and sadly quite dark time. Fran? That's beautifully put, Shiv. Just to add to that, I think um, just continue on investing in the arts. I think it's crucial that that the arts take centre stage at this time globally. So, yeah, please keep on supporting the arts in whatever way you can. And that can just be viewing a video, you know, it doesn't have to be huge, just keeping engaged. We've, we've kept, the arts have kept you engaged for the last five months and when we all come out of this, we need to ensure that the arts are there to continue keeping us engaged and making these important changes. Um, and so many changes in society, I think, begin from people seeing them conceptually on stages and then kind of practicing them. So yeah, certainly.
yay the arts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think the arts provide such a safe space for dialogue too, right? It gives it, arts give you an opportunity to maybe tackle things that are a little bit more challenging of life. So definitely think that the pursuit of the arts and the support of the arts is critical to our, our future. So on that note, I'll turn it over, back over to Giovanna. Thanks, Avery. And, and, and thanks so much, Fran and Shiv, for sharing this with us, for sharing this incredible, uh, incredibly fascinating and um, timely project on Medea. And I fear that uh, we could go on, uh, we could probably <laughs> go on talking about it forever. So I'm just going to put a hold. <laughs> yeah, and, and thank you so much. If you want to know more about the performance history of Medea, of this widely performed play, do you check out the APGRD interactive multimedia ebook titled Medea of Performance History by Fiona McIntosh, Claire Kenwood and Tom Robble, which is free to download from our website. You we can, can vouch that's an amazing, amazing book. It really helped us at the start of this. So yeah, absolutely. Great, great text. Excellent. I'm glad it helped. You can also check out Avery's fast and ongoing projects um, at averyproductions.org and her work at Park Avenue Armoury at armouryonpark.org. And uh, you can check Fran and Shiv's ongoing projects um, at torch.web.oxac.uk slash media dash kp. And you can get in touch with both of them, uh, uh, get in touch with Shiv via his website at shivekshah.com. And yeah, please do you get in touch with them. And you're also very welcome to get in touch with us via the APGRD website. We'll have the photograph that we were discussing at the first, uh, at the um, beginning of the, of the episode and an accompanying blog post alongside this podcast. You can actually watch the whole performance on YouTube if you want, as well as some very interesting cast and crew's interviews with Fran and Shiv as well, amongst others. So do check these out as well, if you can. And once again, thanks very much to our speakers for being with us today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.